Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, friends of beyond the binary, and all my patron peeps, uh, keep the pa- pe- patron peep party a popping, uh, but in the most lulling, soothing way. Uh, thanks, patrons. Sleep with me is also made possible by the hard worker Chris Posty Posters, him from Sounds Like an Earful, who does our theme music and edits episodes. Carl W., who edits episodes. Uh, Jonathan Mann is on our lullabies. You can commission a song from it, song.jonathanman.net. Uh, Kenny, Scotty, and Jennifer are on our honor, on our artwork. Uh, I'm at Dear Scooter. You can become a patron, find out more about our sponsors, find our merch store, everything you need at uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com. And I want to talk about uh, all the kindness you need, which the listeners provide one another in their own listener Facebook group. Uh, and I want to thank the moderators over there, uh, Stacy and Sarah, Laura and Keith and Julie and Jennifer. I also want to thank everybody at Night Vale Presents. Sleep With Me is a proud member of Night Vale Presents. You can check out all of the shows over there at nightvalepresents.com. And uh, that's it. Let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. And then put your phone, you know, whatever, wherever you want to put your phone. Uh, uh, even face down, it'll, should, it'll still play. Uh, you also have gone off track already. Maybe I'll talk about the smart, that kind of stuff. Uh, but first got to get to where, where, my, where I am. Oh, okay, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place, a place where you feel welcome, where you feel affirmed, where you feel like you're going to be treated with dignity and respect. Uh, But most of all, where you feel like, hey, you really do deserve a good night's sleep. Uh, A place I try to create and smooth and pat and rub down and say, hey, come on in. I'm 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 here. I'm going to try to help. Uh, What I'm going to do is uh, send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, rusted tangents, uh, faded sleep dust, uh, extra words, you know, know, metaphor metaphor misfires. Have we said that before? If I was a video game, that would be like one of the things that happens to throw something extra at you. You'd be like, oh, no, you're having a metaphor misfire. Your metaphors have misfired don't know where to go after that but if you're new here's the thing if you're new i'm glad you're here this podcast is not just a little bit different it's pretty different so give it a few tries don't try to figure it out i mean you can but maybe just kick back listen and see how it goes most people say like most long-term listeners say it took two or three tries uh before it started working where i stuck with the podcast and even for some people, that was like a, a few months. They tried it once. They said, no, no, thank you. And then they said, well, let me see it again. And now they're like uh, supporting the show on Patreon. So give it a few tries. See how it goes. Uh, and here's the thing. Here's the structure of the show. First few minutes are business. That's how we keep the show going is uh, the sponsors and the patrons uh, at the top of the show. Then there's an intro that's usually around 12 minutes where I try to, that's where my metaphors start misfiring. 
because that's really what happens in the intro. I say in a perfect, in a non-sleep podcast or some sort of more, you know, structured guru-based podcast, I'd say, okay, uh, here's the podcast to put you to sleep. But we're gonna, what we're going to do is, uh, you know, I'm going to get some sympathetic vibrations going. I'm going to heat up some, you know, uh, moisture and uh, send it your way. I'm going to digitize, you know, I'm going to digitize this sleepy energy and put you to sleep. So let's get started. But that's not a matter. That might be their actual method. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll patent that method. I'm not sure what it means, but uh, we're going to um, stir up some eucalyptus in here. And I have my mortar and pestle going. You notice how I correctly said that because I'm not a scooter. So I'll be mortaring and pestling, you know, uh, you know aromatics. Uh, and then they'd go right on to the mortaring and the pestling or whatever. Or pedaling, whatever they do. Maybe they're pedaling too. That's a pretty relaxing uh, motion, in my opinion. Yeah, but for me, it takes 12 or 13 minutes because they say, wait, mortar, how do you say that? Then they say, oh, what about that pedaling? I'm pedaling. Well, wasn't I going to talk about something else that I already forgot about? Well, it looks like my metaphor is misfired. Oh, wait a second. That's what I was going to talk about, metaphors misfiring. Oh, no, I think I was going to talk about something before that uh, that I definitely forgot. Oh, no, smart speakers. Okay. And then, but usually I do that for about six more minutes, which I will proceed to do from here on. But so uh, that's the intro. Some people skip the intro, but most listeners use it as part of their wind down routine. Or the daytime listeners or the double listeners use it as part of their, you know, a downtime routine at work or, or in traffic or whatever. So it's a way to ease you into bedtime. Really, that's what it is. And to prove my, uh, my competence by incompetency, uh, putting you to sleep. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's the intro. Then tonight, after we'll have some business between the uh, intro and the show uh, to keep the show going. Then we'll talk about The Good Place, episode 13. Oh, lucky number uh, for, for us, uh, for us that love uh, comedy and the characters. And just a little note for listeners, The Good Place went so well as far as like this is, <clears throat> as far as my ability to watch it multiple times and be immersed and uh, mesmerized really by all the work and brilliance that go into that program on all the different levels uh, that we are going to, I have decided that uh when season three starts up, we will be uh, returning to the good place for season three. And we'll go back to the season two, I guess, before season four uh, next summer or next uh, spring. And in the meantime, we'll, maybe we'll have some Star Trek con- content between now and, uh, I don't know, like uh, you'll be hearing this in the future uh, from when I'm recording this. But uh, I just want to let everybody know that the good place, uh, like I'm in L-O-V-E with that show and the people that uh, are created in all the different ways uh, – uh, casting, acting, writing, producing, directing, set dressing particularly. Uh, so, okay, so that's good news. Um, uh, where was I? Though? Okay, so we'll be talking about The Good Place later. Mostly, if you're new, we'll be talking about things like wicker balls, uh, 
yeah, sculptures. I got really, I couldn't read my handwriting. And then I said, what is that? Is that a sculpture? Oh, yeah, it's a sculpture. You know, sofas, couches, uh, bow ties. These are a few of the things I'll be covering. And then, like, just like we did other content, I say, hmm, that makes me wonder. Uh, like, wow, 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 wonder why uh, this thing or that. Uh, and Sco- when Scooter wonders, he, d- he looks it up on Wikipedia. And that, you know, it's not, in, not even in an alliterative way. The Accidental alliter- Alliterist. Uh, is that a book title I already invented? Uh, the Accidental Alliterist. Uh, it could, that could be like a, it could be like a Richard Scary, one of those traffic ones where all the traffic is jammed together. Yeah. Do you get it? I, I, I'm not sure I get it. I'm so, sorry. I'm distracted. I'm looking for that gold bug or whatever. Anyway, back to the, to the intro. Oh no. So yeah, then we'll talk about the good place. So then we'll have a thank you and good night. And if you're new, I think I've already demonstrated my ability to go off topic uh, but here's the thing. You don't really need to listen to me if you didn't figure that out already. Yeah. But uh, you can kind of listen to me. You can totally listen because I'll be here all the way to the end to keep you company. But if you choose to, you could, you know, let me drift away or I'll let you drift away, you know, or I'll stay at your side, uh, walking side by side. It, ideally, as you drift off into dreamland. But here's the flip side of that is that you're under no pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here till the end talking about the good place and things I thought about or wondered about, about the good, you know, about things about in the good place. And, you know, like groundbreaking things like, uh, you know, to what's frozen yogurt or what's ice cream. You know, that came up a couple of weeks ago. So that's it. I'm here to help. Uh, and yeah, I definitely have misfiring metaphors. I was going to say, if you have a smart speaker, I think, why did I talk, think about smart speakers? Um, I thought I'd be able to talk about those for a while. I think with your phone, an Apple phone, you can say, hey, S-I-R-I, subscribe me, or you could say, I think you could say play uh, Sleep With Me podcast, and she will subscribe you or start playing it. And I know with the Google, you just say, hey, then G-O-O-G, however you spell that, uh, play Soup With Me podcast. And then you could put a sleep timer on it. And you could do also do it with the A-L-X, like the uh, uh, the Alex with an A at the end one. You say, hey, play Sleep With Me podcast. That's all you got to do. And they say, hey, set a sleep timer. I mean, the good thing is they'll play them back to back. So you could say, hey, set a sleep timer for 75 minutes. Or eight hours. Uh, so give it a few try. You know, give it a try. Uh, I thought I had a metaphor in there. Uh, or, you know, for hundreds of thousands of dollars, I could get a, uh, a paper towel tube and come over and do that. Like, do that. I mean, the starting price is pretty expensive. Uh, and I just hold the paper towel tube to my mouth and do live versions of the podcast. Uh, but right now, you know, that like... Uh, so far, uh, the only person I've done it to for is imaginarily do it for um, Little Messy. And if you follow the podcast, it didn't go so high, even though it was only a thought experiment. Even my thoughts said, Scoots, you with the paper t- I didn't have, that's probably why, though, I didn't have a paper towel tube in my imagination. But you, the billionaire, 
you know, this goes wrong with my other ideas, like warming people's bathtubs, uh, mostly generally ultra wealthy. Yeah, get in your bathtub. And believe me, I have my own, I talked about this many times, like I'll have my own entrance and exit. Or we'll have a way you'll never know I'm there. But you say, hey, I'm going to take a bath at 430. And you don't have to worry about the time or anything. Or believe me, this is all like uh, top of the line stuff. We know what we're doing. But then I come in and I warm, I get in your bathtub. But, you know, don't worry about that part. Don't like it, but it'd be human warmed. So that way, like, it's just a luxury type thing. And I've had clients lately that say, well, I'm just going to get, if it's human warmed, I don't even need the water in there. Because I just want to do some thinking anyway. And now that the tub itself is warm, it's pretty good for just sitting and thinking in there. That's an add-on product for customers. I mean, I've never thought about combining the two businesses, but now I'm thinking, because if the bathtub's empty, they could just be sitting in there. And believe me, these you should see some of these bathtubs. Holy cow, I say, that's like, I could, like, uh, so there's plenty of room. So I could get the paper towel tube and be like, okay, well, this is an, yet another add-on. Where I was trying to make a metaphor in, about the podcast and then maybe smart speakers and then misfiring metaphors. And things so misfired that now I'm holding a paper towel tube in my mouth. Uh, not in my mouth, sorry, to my mouth. Of course, you could always uh, request that we, you know, cover it in gold foil or whatever, platinum, uh, platinum quote-unquote foil. And then I'll say, you know, I'll be doing the podcast, maybe more of a drone if I had a paper towel tube. But you'd say, well, that's a, is that a smart speaker? No, that's more of a, uh, like, a whatever, a snooze speaker. It's a scoots. It's a scoots speaker. Snoozy scoots speaker uh, to put, put us to sleep. Yeah, he just... Uh, uh, we have him on retainer uh, maybe because uh, I don't know why, actually. You know what? Uh, cancel that service. What are we thinking? I thought he was just a bathtub warmer. And uh, also, what are we thinking with the bathtub? Okay, sorry. Put myself out of business there. But that's good because I can be here with you uh, to keep you company. And you know why I make this show is because I've been there. Uh, sleepless, tossing and turning in the deep, dark night. So all I want to do is help. Uh, so if you're new, give the show a few tries, as I said. Uh, see if it helps. It doesn't work for everybody. If the creaky dulcet tones, they tend to have to grow on you. Because this is just something to listen to and not really listen, depending on what your needs are. But if you're not going to fall asleep, uh, you know, I've heard from some of you. And I'm dedicated to keeping you company right to the end of the show. Believe me. Uh, this is really something I'm honored to do. If I can help, uh, because I do believe you deserve a quality night's sleep and not any of that friggin' tossing and turning stuff, uh, or if I can reduce that or make it a little bit relaxing, or as I saw some listeners mention, and we'll do it now, is if I can interject a little barely smile. And one of the patented ways I do that is a couple of uh, techniques as we wind down here. And I'll tell you, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you stopping by. And I hope and I yearn to help you fall asleep. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and scrunch your shoulders up uh, right up by your ears. And then let them unwind. And now do a couple full, full sh- forward shoulder rolls and backwards rolls. Now do some fists. Make some fit ball your fists up and slowly relax. One, two, three. 
Now, this is a new method I have that you don't have to do. You could even picture it, but palm to palm, rest your palms together. And one, two, three, let it slowly release. Now, intertwine your hands, your fingers, and say, hey, all my fingers are giving one another a hug. My palms, I guess my palms are kissing one another or just lying uh, skin to skin like a mother and a baby. And you could even have your thumbs give it, give one another a rub or a pat on the back of your thumb or the front of your thumb. I don't know what the front of the back is. And finally, oh no, wait, uh, let's do like a pull your toe, pull your feet back uh, and forward. Now let's just circle our ankles to the left uh, and to the right. Oh yeah. And uh, now. With the most important method here, take a, take a breath, and you're going to squeeze your butt cheeks together. Oh, yeah. Or, like, I don't know, because I'm sitting down, you're lying. Uh, like, here's, a, here's what you're going to do. Picture in your mind the St. Louis Arch, and each have each butt cheek create its own St. Louis Arch. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, and now... But it's a balloon arch, and now five, four, three, two, one. Release that arch and let it uh, deflate. So relaxed. I'm here to help. Uh, and here's a couple of ways we keep the show going. All right, everybody, we're talking. Oh wait, I didn't. I got to start. I'll be right back. I didn't. I didn't start the episode on the uh, the uh, old uh, Amazon thing, Jake. Hold on. All right, now I'm back here. I got I got everything I need to keep you company now. Yeah, we're covering episode 13, Michael's Gambit of The Good Place, season one. And ideally, I'll announce this during the intro and on social media a few times, but I have decided my love of The Good Place is so strong, and this happened with Game of Thrones, is that we are going to pick up right when season three begins with more Good Place coverage. Uh, so between now, when you hear this episode in The Good Place, we'll have some... Uh, uh, in between, maybe just a few Star Trek episodes, uh, and then when season three starts, uh, I think we'll have maybe have a weekly release of the Good Place, uh, but we'll see about that. We'll see. Um, uh, but yeah, I've just been enjoying it so much. It's, it's such a well done, uh, just a brilliant show. And then next, uh, whatever that is, spring. We'll return to uh, Good Place coverage and we'll do season two. So we'll have to wait a little bit uh, for season two, but you can enjoy it on your own. You can listen to the Good Place podcast, uh, the official one. And, uh, yeah, so we start off uh, uh, episode 13, Michael's Gambit. Uh, and a kid, the kid, a kid comes up to Michael. Michael's, Michael's working in a oh, – what do we want to say about this? He has an adding machine on his desk. I have a pause right now. And he has a lot of stamps. Stamps. He's working in what looks like a bank. There's even a uh, like a banking uh, safety person there, an older gentleman with a uh, Wilford Brimley-esque mustache. Not very good posture. Uh, he's inside of a I don't know work work zone. Before they had cubicles. This is pre cubicle era. Uh, to Michael's left, I don't know if that's his inbox or his work, uh, but he's got a giant pile of work. This is uh, no computers. He has one of those things, what is a Rolodex-style card system. 
He has a desk calendar. So very traditional. He's got his blotter. Look, it looks like right now he's working in some sort of uh, older book, uh, maybe a ledger. Uh, he has uh, six desk drawers, or maybe maybe five. Uh, I mean, in six total, like three on the right, maybe two larger ones, uh, file size drawers on the left, and then a center drawer. His chair does look pretty comfortable, an older chair. So again, the uh, set design, amazing as always on this show. Uh, but a kid comes up to him. He calls him Mike. Uh, and oh, also on Michael's desk, he has a plaque that says, you don't have to be a mortal work here, but it sure helps. Uh, I don't know if that's, I think that probably is a hint. I don't know, though. And the young kid is Dave, who seems to be his supervisor, even though he's young. And, you know, you also see a bank vault, a lot of cool stuff to look at, like some sort of time travel or uh, or ethereal subway or something uh, through a bank vault. Uh, Something big guy fly solo. We see so Mike gets his shot at the big leagues. Architects only. We see the sign. We see the uh, uh, light shining through on his desk. And then we see Michael's face in the present time. Looking uh, uh, daydreamy and morose, uh, daydreaming. Uh, Chidi and Tahani are still in their fedoras from last episode, which is crack up. And Michael goes, Michael and uh, Sean, they go behind. They say, hey, make a decision here. And he, they go behind, into Eleanor's bedroom and close the clown doors. Oh, no, Michael just goes in there. At some point, Sean's in there, though. And we hear the clown music. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, and then the show episode opens, uh, uh, chapter thirteen, Michael's Gambit. And uh, let's see, oh, clown is that the clown from the opera? We'll find out about that later. Uh, Jason gets the best joke early on, uh, a few back-to-back jokes, uh, but then he nails it. He says it's basic, basic consequentialism. The morality of an action is solely judged on its consequences. Yeah, that's when his character is like, I love it when the, he, he can kind of be on both sides. Like, uh, his brilliance shines through. He also says, Jianyu, the incre- amazing, incredible monk, uh, which reminded me of that incredible edible egg ad campaign, which just got relaunched. Maybe they'd sponsor a podcast. Uh, Jason, on his hand, he has a giant ring on. I guess his wedding ring. Uh, Eleanor says when Chidi and or when Chidi and Eleanor are talking, uh, Tahani says it's like two beef eaters on a tea break. Sulfur, sulfur. Uh, uh, oh boy, I can't horse dog. I don't know what any of this says. Uh, it cannot read my writing, and it doesn't even make it. Wither Tahani, that's another, uh, what does this say, though? Oh, Black Wire Sculpture. I was like, what does this say? Black Wire Sculpture. First time I noticed it in Eleanor's uh, house. I think it's a horse or a dog. It's a Black Wire Sculpture. I said sulpicur. Isn't that some w- weird word? Uh, oh, no, sculpture. Uh, really get a lot of shots of her apartment and different things that even I didn't notice. Uh you know, the places we didn't get to spend some time. Maybe next season we will, or season three. Uh, Jason apologizes. A pretty quality apology to Tahani. Uh, 
for kind of, uh, you know, messing up her game. Sound, Sam, something. It was dry. Oh, this is, oh, this is the highlight of the season for me. This, this writing is so good and so deep and so loving. I don't know. Eleanor says to Chidi, uh, I was dropped into a cave and you were my flashlight. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I mean, especially when Kristen Bell delivers it to Chidi, like, uh, like, uh, cause he says, well, geez, I had to kind of let you down. And she goes, no, uh. I don't know, I just find that beautiful, uh, really, like, uh, it was dropped into a cave and you were my flashlight. So, both, uh, it has all of it, it has a, it has a more, it has, you know, all of the kinds of love that I, uh, and that I can't remember, whether they're Greek or Latin, you know, it has it all. And, you know, even Sophia or whatever, because, you know, Chidi is wisdom. A uh, real Eleanor knocks on the door three times. She knocks three times, Eleanor does. Uh, Michael and Sean are talking about Michael's possible retirement in front of two the two color clowns uh, inside Eleanor's room. Uh, full, full color, larger-than-life clowns uh, uh, painted on the doors to her bedroom. Her bedroom would be really good. Uh, I don't know about the airflow. But you could get her bedroom very, very dark, which is what you're supposed to do. Uh, whether you sleep during the day or night, I don't know what her window situation is with those doors closed. And you have know, to keep an eye on LEDs, but uh, I think that's a good thing. Like, I've been really thinking about uh, a return, like a homemade. I mean, I almost sleep. I, I have to, because they live in a, a, like a tougher area to live in. I have my living room slid up, slid up, you know, uh, Half a bedroom, a half a living room, and so I have curtains. And then I was like, if I ever move, I probably would keep some sort of a homemade canopy, you know, so because you, you really want it dark when it sleeps, but you gotta have that airflow too. Uh, D all all knowing. Oh, Sean had a great line here. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, Sean says, I'm just the all-knowing judge of all matters in the afterlife. Uh, that's good. And then we see Mike and Val. Michael's working at his new architecture station. Uh, Val, a co-worker, she gets coffee. Michael says, yeah, we have regular and antimatter. He's working on blue pants. Uh, what's the say? Michael Hug? Michael something. Uh, he's also wearing a thin, uh, regular necktie, uh, which I said, what in the heck? Uh, a good job. She says, she, why do you, why do they make French vanilla? Um, and then he starts a, a bold new plan for his new neighborhood. I guess that's his gambits. Uh, let me see. He says, uh, let's see, don't you get the feeling we could be doing it all differently? I mean, it's always the same. You know, we get the names, come up with the designs, and move on to the next one. We never even get to be there to see how fun it is. And Vale says, don't rock the boat. Just try to do a good job. And Michael says, a good job. And then maybe is what gave him the idea. Yeah, then we go back to Eleanor's. Everyone's trying to figure out who's going to go to the bad place or not. Uh, Tahani's like, uh, oh, me and Chidi will go. He's like, it's not a couple's retreat. Uh, then there's a lot, a lot of funny stuff. Move on, Chidi. Then there's Robot Lover. And every, as everyone's arguing, you can see the light bulb go on over uh, 
Eleanor's head, and then she kind of takes command. And she goes, yo, Mikey, uh, come on out, uh, Sean, Mikey, or whatever. Uh, she figures everything out. And if you're, this is your first time watching, I mean, this is a spoiler. But if you watch the first season spoiler-free, as I got to, it was such a good payoff. Uh, it was like you, you knew not, something was not right the whole time, and there was so much misdirection uh, that to me, I mean, it, I was like, uh, maybe I suspected it, but, you know, it was just it was such a fun ride. And she says, yeah, me and Chidi will go down to the bad place. Uh, she goes, let's do it. Uh, right as rain, someone says. Uh, call the train. And let's see. Buzz after. Buzz off. Oh, Bomba John shows up. Uh, and it says, buzz off, Bomba John. Let's do it to do it. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Me and Chidi, let's do it. To it. Let's do it to it. Uh and then she explains everything. After they kick Bomba John out, she goes, Joe, this is, uh, you, well, you'll know if you watch. Uh, and Michael has a great laugh. Uh, he says, oh, man. And he can't believe it. He uh, passively, aggressively knocks a cactus off a fake uh, side table that looks like a uh, log. He says, this is a cluster fork. Uh, Jason says, oh, dip. Then real Eleanor comes in without knocking this time. Her true name is Vicky. And then we have a flashback to Michael's big pitch. This is where, like, so there's a, he brings out a board. He's pitching to the rest of the Bad Place crew. And he did a lot of pausing. I wasn't able to get everything written down, but he brings up a, a cork board with, uh, as he explains his test run, that's going to be Eleanor Cheedy. Uh, it goes Chidi on the left. Let's see if it was a, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, a compass. It would have been Chidi on the west, Eleanor in the north, uh, Jason in the east, and Tahani in the south. And there's all notes interconnecting them. Under Eleanor says, as only child, uh, Arizona born and bred, petty, selfish, uh, lacks empathy. And this is Eleanor will frustrate Jason by trying to control his behavior. Jason will make uh, Eleanor fear getting sent back. Uh, Jason Mendoza, DJ from Florida, low average intelligence, uh, no all impulse control. And then Eleanor and Tahani. Eleanor will get attention Tahani craves from Chidi and Jason. Uh, Tahani's perfect and flawless. Uh, uh, will make uh, Eleanor feel insecure. Uh, Jason will uh, torment Chidi by being uh, his exact opposite, impulsive and uh, inconsiderate. Uh, Tahani will uh, heighten Jason's worries uh, by holding parties and parading him around. Uh, Jason will make Tahani miserable by not talking or giving her the attention she desires. Chidi represents all the things Jason dislikes. Let's see, Tahani, judgmental socialite, mega fundraiser, major family issues is what it says under her. I couldn't get Chidi. I could never get it. Maybe I'll get it on this watch. I could pause it. Uh, but Michael says uh, a thousand years. This will go on for a thousand years. And then Sean says, I wouldn't give it six months. Uh, here's his big pitch. He says, let's make the human afterlife more fun. For us, 
it's time to innovate. Uh, he has a 14 million point plan. Uh, even the headshots are hilarious and really good. Uh, Sean has something about like uh, pulling, uh, which is good. He says, I took a good place, Janet. Uh, Glenn's there, our, fa- you know, our favorite person to observe. He makes a lot of eye movements. I couldn't tell if he's throwing shade or he's actually interested. Yeah, so that was cool. 14 million point plan. Michael's still coming up with ideas though, last minute, because then they start showing when they're working on the plan. I said, oh, yeah, for a 14 million point plan, it wasn't very planned out because then Michael's standing outside the door while Chidi and Eleanor are arguing in like episode three or four, sending in the couples counselor and the body language experts who swing and, uh, they're just coming up with ideas on the spot. I said, what kind of 14 million point plan is this, uh, Michael, by the way, you don't, you know, if you're listening for real, don't, you know, don't worry. I'm just joking. Oh, Sean's the one that uses the word gambit. Uh, yeah. Last minute with uh, private eye and therapist, uh, they did not anticipate uh, 0160 billion for charity. Oh, yeah, Michael C. G. We didn't anticipate it. It turns out uh, Jason thought uh, Tahani came up with a thousand dollars for charity. I think she said 60 billion. Uh, that's a lot of charity. Notifications only real goal. Uh, Oh, motivations. Uh, Tahani talks about her motivations. One of her goal, her only real goal is to snag Ryan Gosling at the Met Ball, which she did a few times, she said. Then Chidi thinks he's in the bad place because of his consumption of almond milk. And then they say, no, it's because you're rigid and indecisive. And then Eleanor kind of uses this superhero thing. She says, Jesus, this is wonderful. You succeeded in bringing us together. Then Mike says, well, next time I'll fix that. Uh, and then Eleanor says, we got to come up with a quick plan. And everyone's mouth is open slack. Uh, we see Eleanor's patio. She has white stone, like, uh, on some parts of her patio. And maybe some bark out there, maybe a willow tree. She uses a page from the book, What We Owe Each Other, uh, to write a note to herself, uh, Find Cheaty. And then Eleanor, you know, she's she's pretty confident, so she tells Michael, you're basic. Uh, and then we see her eyes, and we hear the ting, and we see welcome, everything is fine. And cool, I don't know what that means, but uh, cool. My, oh, and then Michael's got a purple pocket square, kind of a dark polka dotted, uh, oh no, with dark dots on the polka, yeah, on the pocket square. I wouldn't say polka dots, so. Vlad Bowtie, maybe Madras uh, Bowtie. He tours around, and is now instead of uh, frozen yogurt, it's pizza. So we see restaurants like all the pizza, perfect temperature pizza, uh, plenty of pizza, correct uh, combination of toppings, is having a 100% off sale that ends never. Eleanor meets her soulmate, but this time it's like it looks like Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Uh, and he's a sexy mailman. I mean, oh boy. I said, oh boy. I'm comfortable saying he's a sexy mailman. And uh, he says he he loves to work out. And I mean, she's kind of like, uh, okay, I guess I could I could work with this. Uh, he's from Teaneck, New Jersey. 
Uh, and I, I noticed in the Pyrex box or whatever, I know it's not Pyrex, but uh, Lucite, uh, that the clown even had clown shoes. Then in this new reality, Janet's in a green outfit instead of her uh, kind of teal or whatever is that, teal and purple or, yeah, uh, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's a pea green, but it's like a pea green light color. And then the season ends with Eleanor saying, what the fork is it, cheaty? I think we'll see the end of it here, but I think that's how it ends. Uh, but this episode was very um, reference-heavy, so we'll get a lot of references to go over. First is the meaning of the word gambit, uh, G-A-M-B-I-T, yeah, which has a couple of different meanings. Uh, it's a noun. It can mean in chess, an opening where the player seeks to obtain some advantage by sacrificing a pawn or piece. Uh, any maneuver where someone uh, seeks to gain an advantage or a remark made to open or redirect a conversation. Uh, Gamut gauntlet uh, can be confused with. Uh, So I don't know which of those Michael's doing, but it also reminds me, like I used to watch the cartoon X-Men at some point when it was like, and there was a character Gambit on there, who's a, like a Marvel character, probably be in a movie soon, but I don't really know a lot about Gambit, but now we will. It's uh, from a Wikipedia, Remy, it's Ian Labu, Labu, or a fictional character, Marvel in association, commonly in association with the X-Men. It was created by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee, drawn by Mike Collins, uh, First appearance in uh, Uncanny X-Men Annual 14 in July 1990 and Uncanny X-Men 266 in August 1990. And, uh, you know, Gambit has the ability to mentally create, control, and manipulate pure kinetic energy to his desire. Also incredibly knowledgeable and skilled in card-throwing, hand-to-hand combat, and the bow staff. It can charge uh, playing cards and other objects with kinetic energy, you know, and, and cause them to do stuff for heroes. Even cooler, and a throwback to, you know, video games and D&D, is he was a part of a Thieves Guild before joining the X-Men. Uh, and because that few X-Men trusted Gambit when he first joined, uh, this was a source, again, with his romantic interest, Rogue, and uh, exasperated when... Uh, Gambit had connections to Mr. Sinister, uh, though some team members uh, think that, uh, you know, Gambit's uh, honest and seeking redemption. You know, Gambit has been, you know, kind of tried to be all machismo, but he's also has this thing with Rogue, uh, proud of his Louisiana heritage, uh, speaks in a thick Cajun accent, uh, has appeared in some 2013 solo series in tw- starting in 2013, uh, trying to make uh, Gambit a title character. Uh, Gambit and the externals and the X-Force replacement. Uh, 65th on the top 100 comic book heroes of all time. It's not too shabby, Gambit. Uh, kind of, uh, let's see what else we got. Publication history, we kind of covered that. Uh, Early life, this is like a G.I. Joe thing, uh, early life, uh, yeah, he was uh, raised by LeBeau Clan Thieves Guild and given to Antiquary. Uh, he had a nickname as a kid that's interesting. Um, 
went into joined Fagan, another uh, you know different Fagan, but same thing. Oh, maybe that's how he ended up in Labu. Uh, his biokinetic char- charging abilities manifested in his teens, though he kept his powers secret. Uh, when he was uh, fifteen, accompanied his cousin to on his tithing. Uh, is a thieves guild test didn't go well because they're supposed to uh, take uh, the immortal uh, uh, powerful immortal mutant Candra, Ch- who quickly you know said uh, I'm not going to be captured by you two and let's see well they you know dealt with a bunch of other stuff uh, we're going to jo- have to join Hydra. And then he said, I'll use my powers to get out of here. Uh, then I uh, used a playing card that his uh, Etienne dropped. Uh, and then they jumped in the sea. Uh, then he worked for Mr. Sinister, who was under the disguise of Dr. Nathan Nathaniel Essex, who wanted a stolen diaries back. And then uh, also, I guess, uh, Gambit doesn't like the cold. And then uh, met, ran into Wolverine, uh, found the diaries, didn't give them to Essex, uh, got rid of the diaries, and no one was happy. Uh, got married once uh, and uh, then got exiled. Um, uh, went back to Mr. Sinister, who modified Gambit's uh, power, making him less powerful but more able to control his powers. Uh, but then maybe it got returned. I don't know. Uh, after wandering the world, uh, uh, he ran into a depowered storm, helped her, uh, rescued uh, somebody from a nanny. And uh, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, so 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 interesting. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of stuff. So uh, definitely a character with a lot of uh, history here. And uh, cool. I mean, I just remember from the cartoon uh, that was on only for too short a time. Now, how about uh, that uh, opera with the C L O W N in it? Pagliacci. Uh, Aliachi, I think it's uh, the G silent, those scoots. Oh, thank you, uh, Opera Brain. Uh, it literally translated to clowns. An Italian opera with a prologue and two acts, uh, music and uh, libretto by uh, Leon Caviallo. With music and libretto by Leon Caviallo. Maybe uh, frequently staged uh, with uh, a double bill, uh, Caballeria Restec, like, uh, yes, yeah, sometimes in a double bill with another opera. Uh, let's see, around 1800, uh, after uh, something else premiered, uh, Leon Caviallo was a little known composer and saw his friend's success and wrote an opera in response. Uh, it was one act uh, uh, composed in the Verissimo style. And he wrote the story of Pagliacci based on interest. It was like a thing from his childhood, uh, which, uh, you know, influenced him. 
And then uh, once they heard about the plot, they said, well, it's a bit like another French play. And so they said, well, it's like, uh, I don't, I think you took my idea. They went back and forth and said, no, it's my own idea. Drop it. Uh, and they did. But he was a student of French culture. But, you know, you, you have to think these things. Uh, it re- got mixed reviews at its world premiere. More, intru- I guess the plot you can't even speak of. Uh, uh, let's see. In the prologue, the overture of the curtain rises, but there's a second curtain. Uh, Tonino uh, dresses his comedic character, Taddeo, addresses the audience uh, and reminds the audience that actors have feelings too and that the show's about real people. I mean, everyone, a couple of these songs you pretty much know. It's three o'clock in Act One. They enter the village. The villagers cheer. They give a a performance of Troubles of Pagliaccio. And they're trying to figure out the timekeeping. And uh, the villagers uh, say, hey, come to the pub, local tavern. Uh, Tonio stays behind. And, uh, you know, there's like, you know, love circle type things and kissing and then saying, oh, let's not kiss. And then, uh, you know, then a lot of singing. And so that goes on. I mean, I get like, uh, I guess uh, I can't, it's, it's, uh, it's deep stuff. And it ends with the line, the comedy is finished, uh, uh, which pro- pro- parallels the prologue. And the appropriation of this final line dates back to 1895. Uh, John Wright analyzed the dramaturgy of the opera in the context of the assignment of the final line and concluded the original assignment of the final line to Tonio is the most consistent and appropriate assignment. Uh, but sometimes uh, Tonio delivers the final line and sometimes Canio delivers, Canio delivers it. Uh, uh, orchestra consists of two floats, one piccolo, two obols, one core anglaise, uh, two clarinets, one bass clarinet, three bassoons, holy bassoons, four horns, three trumpets, three trombones, one tuba, uh, two harps, a tapani, and a tubular, bell, tubular, bell, tubular bells, or however you say that, uh, percussion. <clears throat> And on stage, there's a violin, oboe, trumpet, and bass drum as part of the show. A percussion, triangle, cymbals, bass drum, and a glockenspiel. And maybe a tam-tam. Uh, that's given three strokes before the announcement that comedy is over. Uh, let's see what else we have. So it's a little bit about Pagliacci. It's also Seinfeld kind of brought it back. Uh, what about the incredible edible egg? This is real brief, but it's uh, it was a famous uh, marketing slogan for the American Egg Board. Yeah, Swan Gallery's uh, Saul Men- Mendel's uh, poster in '76 uh, maybe came up with it. In twenty in twenty twelve, a new version came out, and I thought I saw somewhere recently that in twenty eighteen they're working on it again. But I guess that's it. That's all I have for the research. But it was like the incredible edible egg. Just reminding me when John says uh, the incredible amazing monk. Uh, and what about beef eaters? I really didn't. I thought I had covered beef eaters before. Turns out I know nothing. 
about beef eaters in many things. Yeoman warders uh, of Her Majesty's Royal Palace and the Fortress of the Tower of London and the members of the Sovereign's Body Guard of the Yeoman Guard Extraordinary. And that's a serious title. Uh, popularly, popularly known as the Beef Eaters are the ceremonial gardens of the Tower of London. In principle, they're there to look after whoever's there, keep the crown jewels safe, and lately they have to conduct tours uh, since the Victorian era. In 2011, there were 37 yeoman warders and one chief warder. All warders are retired from the armed forces of Commonwealth realms and must be former warrant officers with at least 22 years of service, so you can't just get this job. Uh, they also must hold the long service and good conduct medals. Uh, uh, they're often referred to incorrectly by the yeoman of the guard, which is actually a distinct core of something else. Uh, they are a separate entity. Uh, Gilbert and Sob- Sullivan's opera, The Yeoman of the Guard, is set in the 16th century uh, before the two corps were split apart and concerns what are today the yeoman warders. Also, I think there was a band that, like, Jerry Garcia was in once uh, with, like, the Yeoman Warders. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. <laughs> I try to think of who else would be in it. Uh, uh, let's see. Beef Eater is uh, from uncertain origin. Uh, so maybe in the 17th century, a slam, slang, term for, slang term for English in general. The earliest connection to the royal household is a reference to the Yeoman of the Guard uh, by uh, Cosimo III for de' Medici, the Grand Duke of Tuscany, uh, who frequented the court in 1669 and said, uh, the Yeoman of the Guard eat a lot of beef, uh, might as well be called beef eaters. Uh, then the name was carried over to the Yeoman Warders due to the two corps' uh, similarities and the Yeoman Warders' more public presence. Uh, beef eaters also, uh, here's the something, you know, this is a business I proposed about a year ago. Uh, sipping broth. Here's the thing. Beef eaters don't take tea breaks. They sip broth. They commonly produced and consumed broths made of beef. Uh, those broths were known at the time as beffy or beef, beff. So they were into sipping broth, which is a new thing one day where you'll go, instead of going tea tasting, or having an adult beverage, you'll go someplace and you'll do, have some sipping broth, or you'll buy it at Trader Joe's. Uh, let's see, what else do we need? The Tudor, Tudor Yeoman, uh, the Yeoman Orders were formed in uh, 1485 by King Henry VII, the first monarch of the Tudor dynasty. Uh, the Tudor Rose is part of the badge they wear today. Uh, 1509, Henry VIII moved to the official residence from the Tower of London, uh, but the Tower retained the formal status of a royal palace. Uh, uh, to mark this party of 12 yeomen of the guard were left in place as a token garrison. Then their name were changed to the Tower Warders to more accurately reflect their duties. As warders without any ceremonial state functions, they fortified the right to wear the scarlet royal livery and of now of the now separate yeoman of the guard. Uh, this was restored to them during uh, Edward the uh, fifth uh, in 1547. 
and uh, you know they were impressed by the behavior of the warders. Uh, they were split. The original Tudor guard was split into two categories: ordinary guard and uh, the additional troops of the extraordinary. And something, something. Current composition: we said thirty-seven plus the boss. Uh, retired members of the service, as we said, they normally wear an undress uniform of dark blue with red trimmings. And when a sovereign visits the tower or the warders are on duty as state occasion, they wear red and gold, similar to those of the yeomen of the guard. These uniforms are referred to by the yeoman warders as Tudor, Tudor state dress. What are you saying? They get to live there? They and their families lived in t- tied accommodation inside the fortress, paying council taxes, taxes and rent. They must own a home uh, outside the fortify fortress to occupy when they retire. What a deal. I mean, I guess maybe next you got to live there. But I would love a tour like that. The community... Uh, the Tower of London is made up of the yeoman orders and their families, the resident governor and officers, a chaplain and a doctor. They participate in the ceremony of keys every night. In J- July 2007, Moira Cameron became the first female yeoman warder, and she had joined the army in 85 at age 20. And at age 42, she qualified as a warrant officer class 2 to uh, become a yeoman warder. So that's that's about time. Uh, Yeoman Warder Ravenmaster. Holy cow, I'd like to just be called the just Ravenmaster's not good. Oh, wow, holy Game of Thrones. Uh, to maintain the welfare of the ravens of the Tower of London. And uh, they've been there since King Charles II. And legend maintains that if the ravens ever leave the Tower, uh, it's not good. Just like in Game of Thrones, I think, maybe. The Raven, Yeoman Warder Raven Master. Maybe that was if Jerry Garcia ever played Dungeons and Dragons. That's what he asked to be called. Uh, here's another thing that came up was blueprints, which I don't know a lot about. You know, you see them and you want, I mean, I wonder what the heck is a blueprint anyway? It's a reproduction of a technical drawing uh, documenting architecture or engineering design using a contact print process on light-sensitive sheets introduced in the 19th century, it allowed rapid and accurate reproduction of documents using construction and industry. It was characterized by light-colored lines and a blue background, a negative of the original. Uh, the process was unable to reproduce a color or shades of gray. Uh, various base materials have been used for blueprints. Paper was a common choice, linen, uh, vellum or something, polyester film, mylar. It has been re- displaced by a Diazo white print process or large format Xerox, you know, photocopiers, uh, but those are usually called prints or drawings. It can also more formally refer to just anything like a floor plan. In 1861, uh, Poet Bean, a uh, French chemist, uh, found that ferro du galate in gum is light sensitive. Light turns this into an insoluble permanent blue. A coating of this chemical on paper or any other base is used to produce an image from a translucent document. 
So that was coated on the paper from aqueous solution and dried. And the coating was yellow. In darkness, it was stable for up to three days, clamped under glass in a light-transmitting document in a daylight's exposure frame, similar to a picture frame, put out into the daylight, requiring a minute or two under the bright sun, or ten times that under overcast, or you could use ultraviolet light. Uh, and the transmitting uh, transmitted the coating converts to a stable blue or black dye. Uh, the image can be seen forming, and when a strong image is seen, the frame is brought indoors, and uh, the unconverted coating under the originalism image is washed away. Papers then dried. Uh, the result is a copy of the original image with a clear background and area, clear background area rendered dark blue, and the image reproduced as a white line. The image is stable. The contact printing process has the advantage that no large field optical system is required. Uh, further uh, advantages, it's the same scale as the original. And uh, another quality is you can't mess with it because of the dark background. You can't add new uh, information. can't be easily altered. Sometimes it's a strength, sometimes a drawback. So that's cool. Um uh, all other blueprint processes were based on photosensitive, photosensitive ferric compounds have been used. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing the things people can do when they experiment and set their mind to stuff. Now, what about this Met Gala? We hear about it every year because somebody's always stealing the show. Musky, uh, nice job uh, this year. And, you know, Ryan Gosling every year probably steals the show. But I always say, what is that? Uh, now I, and I know enough so I could not remember it. It's uh, the Met Gala, formerly called the Costume Institute Gala, and also known as the Bent Ball is an annual fundraising gala for the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute in New York City. And it marks the grand opening in the Costume Institute's annual fashion exhibits. Uh, and each year the event celebrates the theme that of this year's Costume Institute exposition, and it sets the tone for the formal dress of the night since guests are expected to cho choose their fashion and match the theme of the exhibits. Uh, following the event, the exhibition, uh, exhibition runs for several months. Uh, it's at one of the most exclusive social events in New York and one of the biggest fund fundraising nights in the city. In 2013, they raised $9 million, $12 million the following year. And it obviously is one of the most notable sources for funding for the Institute. You know, they get all the glitter, like all the glitter out of there for real. It's a fashion industry's premier red carpet event and widely reviewed fashion critiqued and emulated. And, you know, they closed the museum for the day. Uh, let's see. Uh, rivals, uh, Vanity Fair's Oscar party said to have more uh, star power. Oh, no, that has more star power, but less uh, fan fashion panache. In 2014, it was 30000 bucks just to go, if you were invited, probably. Uh, maybe they even raised the price 10000 more. 650 to 700 people are on the guest list. Uh, each year, they have a theme. Let's see some of these themes. 70s fashion plate, untailored garments, 
American Women of Style, Glory of Russian Costume, uh, Vanity Fair Treasure Trove. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Man in the Horse, Costumes of Royal India, In Style, uh, From Queen to Empress, uh, Age of Napoleon, uh, Survival of Hortgehoi Couture, uh, Gala held, but no costume exposition in 9192. Uh, Diana Vreeland, uh, Christian Dior, Gianni Versace, Cubism and Fashion, that was 1998. Rock Style, 99. Jackie K, 2001. Uh, 2003, Goddess, the Classical Mode. 2004, Dangerously Asians, uh, uh, House of Chanel, uh, Tradition and Transgression in British Fashion, Superheroes, 2008, Models and Muse, American Woman, Alexander McQueen, uh, Shreya Pirelli and Prada, uh, Punk, Chaos to Couture, Charles James, uh, China Through the Looking Glass, Manus Ex Machina, uh, Ray Kubo. Uh, the Art of In-Between, uh, and, and this year, Heavenly Bodies, uh, Fashion in the Catholic Imagination. See, I'm not so hot at pronunci- pronunciating. What about almond milk, briefly? What's in there? Almonds and what else? It's, ma- it's a plant milk manufactured from almonds uh, with a creamy texture and a nutty flavor. It contains neither cholesterol nor lactose. Uh, some vegans like it, some lactose intolerant, people that don't like dairy. Comes in different flavors, can be made at home. Uh, been around since the Middle Ages uh, in both uh, the Islamic world and Christendom. Suitable for consumption during Lent uh, or fasting strictly for arist- arist- aristocracy. Uh, let's see, um, it was a niche food item until the early 2000s when it got popular, uh, surpassed soy milk in, uh, 2013, uh, 2014-60% of plant milk sales, it doesn't tell me what's uh, production, oh, here we go, grinds almonds in a blender, strain out the almond pulp with a cheesecloth, uh, yeah, you know, with water. Okay, so it's just so all water soaked with almonds. Uh, uh, it could be uh, so. Uh, it would. I mean, it, uh, 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 it's good to know. Like with like, uh, and I guess I probably did know. And I forget. I said, "Oh, it's just a water." So, so I said, "Oh, maybe I just forgot it for that reason." What about willow trees? Uh, uh, what do we need to know here? They're uh, watery bark sap, abundant watery bark sap, uh, heavily charged with uh, uh, different things, uh, large fibrous uh, roots, uh, roots readily sprout. Their leaves are typically elongated and uh, frequently with uh, serrated edges. Most are deciduous, a few semi-evergreen willows. Uh, a couple in the Mediterranean are uh, uh, semi-evergreen. All buds are lateral, no terminal buds, uh, single-scale buds. The trees that are your buds, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, 
Willows. Uh, I like Willows. What can I say? But I want to get these last two. What about Madras? M-A-D-R-A-S. It's a lightweight cotton fabric, typically patterned texture and plaid design, used for summer clothing, such as pants, shorts, dresses, and jackets. Uh, it takes its name uh, from uh, where it originated in India. It can be in uh, plaid patterns, regular cotton, seersuck, patchwork, um, uh, cutting several madras plaid fabrics into squares or rectangles and sewing them into mixed plaids. And uh, let's see, must be hand-woven, uh, fragile, short, staple of carbon fiber that can't be combed, only carded, and resulting in bumps known as slubs, which are thick spots in the yarn that give it its unique texture. The cotton is hand-dyed after being spun into the yarn and woven and finished in some 200 villages in the Madras area. That's just a little bit about Madras, and then we fly all the way back to Teaneck, New Jersey, to find out uh, just a little bit about Teaneck. What are a few facts about Teaneck, New Jersey? It's in Bergen County, suburb of the New York City area, metropolitan area. Uh, Population 39,776 in 2010, and its population was up 1.3% from 2000. Uh, second most populous uh, in the Bergen County, behind Hackensack, uh, created on February 19th, right around my birthday, 1895, uh, from portions of the Inglewood Township and Ridgefield Township, both of which are now defunct, uh, along with Bogota and Leon- Leonia. Uh, Independence filed the result of a referendum uh, where they voted 46 to 7. Uh, whatever, succumbing to the borough craze. Uh, they wanted to be a township and not a borough, uh, I guess. Uh, uh, Teaneck lies at the junction of Interstate 95 and the eastern terminus of 80. Oh, wow, that's where 80 ends. Uh, also bisected by Route 4 and the CX, uh, CSX Transportation River Subdivision. Uh, it has commercial developments, crossroads at the River Road, train, and other geographical features has made uh, many momentous events over the centuries. Uh, after the Battle of Fort Washington, George Washington and the troops of the Continental Army retreated across New Jersey, uh, traveling through Teaneck and crossing the Hackensack River at Newbridge Landing, which is now State Park. Uh, uh, so that's interesting. Teaneck is not known the name or the meaning. It's speculated it could be a Dutch or English word in the woods or something. Or it could be from the Dutch uh, neck where there are willows. Uh, so another use of willows. Uh, let's see. There's a neighborhood called vicariously called East Hackensack or New Hackensack. Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, Washington passed through there. Uh, then he watched 6,000 British troops travel up the river by boat. Uh, uh, he and his troops had to abandon their position on the Palisades. Uh, Crossing New Bridge Landing. Uh, this is what the soldiers ill-equipped uh, led Thomas Paine to compose a pamphlet, The American Crisis, which he said, get your act together. 
after the revolution, it became a quiet farm community. And fruits and veggies were brought to Patterson in New York City. The uh, largest estate in Teenacre belonged to Will, William Walter Phelps, a railroad, a son of a railroad magnate, uh, and a New York City merchant. Uh, now it's the site of the uh, municipal government complex. So this is a little bit about uh, Teaneck, New Jersey, Willows, and some other stuff. And that concludes our season of uh, The Good Place, uh, which was good. Uh, it was good to be here. Good to be in this place. Uh, good night. Uh, I want to thank everybody that reviewed the podcast over on, uh, on iTunes, Apple, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, yeah, let's see, Jonesy Boy, 189 from the UK. It says, for years I struggled with my sleep, but finally... I look for something to take my mind off of thoughts and world of sleepfulness and dreams. Uh, this podcast just that, just it does just that. Thanks, Scooter. You've done really well with that. Respect, Harrison. Thanks, Harrison. Uh, K.A. says, let Scooter escort you into a realm of relaxation. If anyone has issues sleeping, let me introduce you to Sleep With Me podcast. Help me during uh, some of the roughest nights of my life. Uh, Dealing with a lot of things where I needed a distraction. Uh, listen, like if you have insomnia almost uh, every night or once a year, give it a try. These aren't uh, bedtime stories so much as a calming, rumbling, rambling, lazy, one-worded, one-sided conversation to accompany to slumber. Uh, how about K D K T M M D from Belgium? What up? Uh, for every tosser and turner in bed, so happy that it works. A H D F E D F E D N. It took a few times, but it helps a lot. After listening to Scooter, it really helped after a few nights. Uh, much better than radio, TV, or other podcasts. Uh, they could wake you up. Uh, would love to read your stories. Working on that. My sleeping pill is from Julietta K. From the UK. Scooter nailed it. He's there for me. Keep me coming in the deep dark night because he knows how it is to suffer from insomnia. Found the secret. Tells me a story that's crafted with love. So I drift away in the fairyland. Love you, mate. An Argentinian living in London. Thank you. Uh, here's another bot uh, like uh, RG1159 5205 from Thailand. Uh, we're going worldwide on this one. Uh, the best place before best place before to bed go I go to bed uh, it's helpful with my English and I've been listening to sleep with me all episode every night pretty sweet uh, how about f s f panda cat uh, thanks scooter scooter rocks charming funly and funny endlessly soothing you'd like to listen to more of his stories but no I'm out like a light uh, Sometimes I surface from sleep while the podcast is still on, then I drift again, away, smiling again and giggling. Amazing gift to the world. Thank you. Thank you. You think this is another one? Is this a, oh, this is a, that was an updated one. H-A-H-D-F-E-D-N uh, also did another review. Keeping it, keeping it coming. Kelzadon says works every night. I've come to depend on this podcast. Thank you, and keep up the awesome work. And Kelly R. says, basically, my favorite podcast. A soothing voice. It listens several nights a week. Helps me shut down before bed. 
So thanks to everybody reviewing the show over on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, and don't forget, Sleep With Me is a proud member of Night Vale Presents. You can check out all the amazing shows at nightvalepresents.com. If you need to find our store, become a patron, or you're curious about tonight's sponsors, uh, just go to sleepwithmepodcast.com. All of it is there. And uh, thanks and good night.